we could, please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 4 this morning. It says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse 2, Be shepherds of the flock of God that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Lord God, I ask that as we come to your word this morning, that you would open the hearts and the minds of not only the church, but of the elders of this flock, God, help us to be under your authority and to, and to be submitted to your Holy Spirit and your word. We ask for a great blessing upon us this morning, um, that um, the leadership would be further and further submitted to you, Lord, and wholehearted, devoted um, discipleship, Lord, and may the flock follow in the name of Jesus. Amen. find it no coincidence that... Um, the last week, last week we, we voted for and confirmed the elders CCF, and this week as we open the Word, we see Peter appealing to and exhorting the elders of the churches there that he's writing to, to shepherd the flock of God that is under their care. I didn't plan this out, I'm not that good. Um, people plan their, their, their stuff months ahead, and, and I just kind of go, okay, I'm going to go through verse 7, actually we're only doing four verses. And so here we are. And up until this point, Peter has been encouraging and exhorting the church to continue to live lives that glorify God in the midst of suffering persecution. As I've mentioned, they're uh, suffering uh, per horrible persecution. They're about to suffering, uh, suffer horrible persecution. And so um, Christ was their model in that and all that suffering of how they should follow in his footstep. And, and now uh, Peter closes his first letter to the brothers and sisters in the church, churches there, and his attention turns to the leadership of the church. They're called the elders. And the term elders is presbyterios in, in, in the Greek, and it means what, it, what it's translated. It means elder, and it means older. Someone is older. And the thought, well, basically throughout the Old, the old and the New Testament, elders are referred to in Jewish society as those who kind of ruled cities or they ruled uh, certain um, councils and all that type of stuff within Jewish, ancient Jewish society and in other societies as well. Um, and that model seems to be adopted by the early church. Now, we all know that age does not equal maturity. How many of you know that in your own life? You guys are like old and you're going, man, I should have gotten this by now. Anybody? Like, yeah, okay. So age does not necessarily equal maturity, and the same can be said for spiritual maturity, amen? We also know that spiritual maturity in Christ is measured by how a person loves and obeys Jesus Christ and how that is manifested in love and good works that Christ has called them to walk in. And all of this is, it comes by a person who has trained themselves to distinguish good and evil by chewing on the Word of God. Is, that's what Hebrews 5.14 says. When he's talking to uh, the people uh, of the Hebrews, basically, in the book of Hebrews, he's saying, hey, listen, you all should be teachers by right now. In other words, you've had enough time under the Word. You've had enough time listening to everything. You all should be teachers right now. But I've got to go back and tell you, teach you the elementary things. Because the mature are those who chew on the Word, they're constantly chewing on the Word, and by it, they grow and they mature. And that's the qualification for a teacher within the church, someone who's chewed on the Word long enough that it's not just that they're old, but they've matured. In other words, they've learned to discern good and evil. And it isn't just a knowledge thing, it's a life thing, it's a practice thing. So that's very important. And so um, an elder is one who isn't simply old, but rather they're spiritually mature, and they're given the spiritual oversight of the church by the Lord Jesus. And those mature men govern the church by the Word of God, and they feed the sheep, that is us, right? They feed us the spiritual food that we need, which is the Word of God. And they teach us to model, well, they model and they teach us to obey Jesus Christ. And they 
urge us in, and push us in the direction uh, to, of love and good works. And obviously, they do this by teaching and modeling, those two things. And you can read about the qualifications of, of an elder that Paul lays out for a church in, in, uh, in Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. We spent a lot of time going over that in the, uh, in the summer series where I went through the whole nature of the church. But the general picture is that it describes a man who is under control of the Holy Spirit, exemplifying Christ in their lives and in the lives of their family and their dealings. In other words, they're governed by Christ and therefore they can govern the church. And in those qualifications, real quickly, what distinguishes elders and deacons is only one attribute. And guess what it is? Anybody know? The ability to teach. That's the difference between the qualifications between an elder and a deacon. So they have to be able to be enabled and gifted by the Holy Spirit to teach the church. That's very important, the Word of God. So an elder must be able to teach the sheep. And by the way, that is not defined as pulpit teaching. That's just one of the variants of that gifting. But you have to be able to communicate the deep truths of the Word of God to the sheep. And like an example yesterday, Marcus Wilcox uh, spent time uh, exhorting and encouraging and challenging the men on spiritual pride and, and humility. And, and he took us through scriptures. He was teaching about us about Christ. He was pulling examples from everywhere. And we walked away going, crud, I am prideful. How many of you guys were there? How's that card going for you? Did we discard the card that we wrote down about the person and the things we were to do? And so we were exhorted and encouraged to the teaching of an, of an elder. Now, obviously, you know, many of us in the body are gifted with the gift of, of teaching. That's not just given to the elders. But an elder must be able to communicate the truths of the Lord. And so you can read about those in, in those qualifications. And so it's not just defined as, as pulpit teaching. It means that the elders are to know the Word of God and they are to communicate the deep truths of Scripture so that Jesus' church would be sanctified by the truth. What does the word sanctified mean? Set apart. And this is what Jesus says in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And this is what Jesus' main thrust was when He's praying for His disciples who would take over the church. He says, listen, I've taught them your word. They know your word. I've set them apart through your word. They've been sanctified by the word. And now they're going to go and they're going to do it to the, to the other people. They're going to make disciples. Remember the end of Matthew when he calls out and says, now go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, if you don't know what he commanded you and you don't know, if you're not obeying, you're not an elder, Right? So it's someone who's already themselves have been submitted to the Word of God. They've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. They meet the qualifications. They're called, and they go ahead and do that. And it's for the edification of the church. And so, again, the primary responsibility of an elder is to shepherd, or pastor is the word for shepherd. Did you know that? Poimen, the word for shepherd, is the word for pastor. And pastor is not a role. It's a function. It, well, it kind of is defined in Ephesians 4, but the idea is that it's what they do. They shepherd the flock of God. And so an elder is one who shepherds the flock of God by feeding them the Word of God and creating, uh, governing the church in such a way in which the Word of God can be placed in your heart, in your lives. Amen? And if anyone would understand the significance and importance and the weight of the call of an elder to shepherd y'all, guess who it would be? Peter. Peter understood the weight of being an elder and the weight of being a shepherd and all those things. And he cries out in verses 1 and 2, to the elders among you, as the church is reading this letter among them, there'll be elders there. And he says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share into the glory to be revealed be shepherds or shepherd the flock of God that is under your care. And so it says there in verse 1 that Peter, he appealed to them. And that's important. He appealed to his fellow elders. Some of your translations say he exhorted. 
How many of your translations say, I exhort you? That word appeal and exhort, the same thing. And basically, it's the Greek word, which kind of para something, like paracletus, it's kind of a, it's the same word for the Holy Spirit, it means to come along aside, come, uh, come aside, whatever, come alongside. That's the word I'm looking for. Come alongside, and, and it means to, uh, it means to uh, encourage or compel. And it's kind of like, well, which is it? Is it translated encouragement, or is it, is it, is it translated exhort? Yes. It's kind of like a parent. Sometimes you're, you're encouraging, 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 and sometimes you're exhorting, exhorting, exhorting. You know what I mean? There's a balance, and you kind of move back and forth depending on the heart of the person you're talking to. Correct? And so there'll be times when, when, when there's an appeal, and, and it seems like Peter is saying, man, this is so important. I, I exhort you. I encourage you. I, and he's just laying into these, these, these brothers and saying, this is really important, you guys. You cannot overlook this. Just as Paul does in, in, at the, in Acts when he's talking to the Ephesian elders that uh, Pastor Arthur taught on. He said, listen, I, 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 I pleaded with you night and day with tears. I warned you guys. And so this is the same kind of heart cry out to the leadership of the church. And so he appeals. First of all, by saying that he was a fellow elder. I think that's important. He doesn't bring the hammer down. He, he starts out and says, listen, I'm a, I'm a fellow elder. Like, I understand the weight. If you remember, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus ascends. Before he sends uh, Jesus and Peter, they had a chat on the shore of the Sea of Galilee in John chapter 21, 15 through 17. Remember that? G- Peter jumps off the boat, says it's the Lord, swims to shore, and then Jesus is already cooking fish, and then he has a conversation with him. He says, Peter, do you love me? And that conversation goes back and forth. He asked him three times whether he loved him. Peter says, yes, I love you. And what does Jesus say three times? Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Those are the things that Peter told him to do. Be a shepherd of my people. So Peter was commissioned, even though he was already commissioned into the ministry. But he, Jesus kind of reminded him, he said, do this. You you, you left, you scattered and all that type of stuff, but now you are to be about my business, and my business is my sheep. I'm entrusting you with this. I'm giving this to you. Feed them. Tend to them. Feed them. He repeats that, and so Peter knew that an elder's love for Christ, if you love me, you'll do these things, right? He, Peter knew that an elder's love for Christ was shown in how they shepherded the flock of God, and how they shepherded the sheep, and how they shepherd you. And so Peter appeals first as a fellow elder, but secondly, Peter appeals to them because he was an eyewitness of Jesus' suffering. So not only does he say, hey, we're in the same boat, he says, we were also not in the same boat. I saw Christ suffer. I saw him bleed out. I saw him die. I saw him betrayed. I saw how he was handled. I watched from a distance. I saw the whole thing. I, I, I saw him die. And we know from the other accounts, we didn't, Peter doesn't say he sees that. It says he was scattered. But here, Peter's saying, I saw the sufferings of Christ. I saw it in his own account, in his own words. I saw him on the cross. I saw him purchase you. I saw him purchase the flock that you're in charge of with his own blood. I saw it. And by the way, he saw him also the empty tomb. He, was, he and John were there first off, right? And those were the marks of an apostle, someone who had been with him during his ministry, who knew his teachings, who, someone who saw his sufferings, and someone who saw the resurrected Christ. And so Peter, in a way, he's appealing to his apostleship. He says, oh, listen, not only am I a fellow elder, I saw what you're teaching. I saw what you're holding to. I, I saw him. I'm an apostle. And so he appeals in that way to them. And then lastly, um, Peter appeals to the elders because they will share in the glory to be revealed. And I love that. It's like Peter speaks with verse, he'll go on and speak about that in verse 4 regarding the crown that a faithful elder will receive when Christ returned. But it's important that Peter was a fellow elder. He knew the weight and he knew that the Savior would reward. 
And it's important to remember as an elder that they're going to get reward. And by the way, Hebrews says they're also going to have to answer, right? So it's like, great, they get to answer, but they also, the greater the risk, the greater reward, so to speak. And so Peter appeals in that way to shepherd the flock of God entrusted to them, feed them spiritual food, pray for them, protect them from bad food, from false shepherds, and watch over their souls. And so, really quickly, much of what we define today as pastoring and eldering is not pastoring. It's not shepherding. The, the administration of the church is important, and that's an aspect of it, but the administration of the church is important. The facilities are important, making sure that sheep have a pasture, you know what I mean? Um, finances are important. We know that. If we can't handle our finances, we can't handle the, the church of God. Those are, those are all qualifications. Um, all of that's important. Governing is important. However, that isn't the main thrust of, of a call of an elder. Those things aren't the main thrust. An elder oversees those things, but the call of an elder is that of a shepherd. And so often, those other things take greater priority than, than the one thing Jesus said for Peter to do. Right? Thus the need for deacons, qualified deacons, right? And if the elders aren't raising up deacons to deke, that the elders are deking, and there's no deeks to be raised up. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it defeats the purpose of an elder. And so the elders are to be focused primarily on the spiritual needs of the church. And we see that example in Acts chapter 6 where the apostles were de- dealing with a very important situation. Widows were not getting their food, and there was a disruption within the church which disrupted the teaching of the Word of God. And they said, it's not right that we should stop doing this to do that. It wasn't that that wasn't important. They understood what the main purpose, and so often we see pastors doing everything but, and I'm guilty just like everybody else, as opposed to being in people's lives and and and, and, and doing that. And so, this is, this is important. As, I'm, as I've been reading through these passages on eldership, man, I'm, strict, I'm just hitting my heart, you know, about a lot of things, attitude and priorities and all that kind of stuff. And so, obviously, these are things where I need you to be praying for us. Amen? But take care of the sheep. Sheep are an interesting illustration that the Lord uses, don't you think? He calls us sheep. And I'm not saying y'all are the sheep and I'm not. I'm definitely a sheep. We are the sheep under the great shepherd, amen? The sheep, I, I, I didn't want to go into this great, huge thing, but most animals, they can find their way home when they get lost. And, and it's my understanding that sheep just get lost. <laughs> Anybody ever have sheep? Like, are they awesome animals? I mean, what? what they're, they're, <laughs> someone's all, they're stupid. What else? <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, like, okay, so all these things are true. They need a shepherd, right? They're, they're dirty creatures from my understanding. You know, lanolin, how many like, oh, I love lanolin or whatever it is, or I can't stand lanolin. Well, that's the oil that is produced from their skin. And you guys have like oily hair or stuff like that? What do you have to do? Wash it. Otherwise, everything in the world starts attracting to that. And that's what sheep do is they get oil throughout their skin. And everything in the world could, they bump into, it sticks with them. You see the analogy there? So you need a shepherd to come shear them. And unless they're sheared, unless they're clean, unless they're tended to, they just get stuff. And it gets gross when you start talking about what happens on their back end. They die because it gets compacted and all that kind of stuff. It's very serious unless they come and just shear them. And I know, it's like, but that's us. Sheep are defenseless against predators. Like, I know, you know, there's scary movies with sheep that attack. That's the irony that they're trying to make, is that they aren't animals that defend themselves. What happens when a predator comes to a sheep? They do what? They scatter. That's what sheep do. They scatter. A predator comes in, they're gone. What happened when Jesus, the shepherd, was getting struck? What happened to the sheep? Scattered. Jesus' disciples, they scattered because they were what? Sheep. Who had to go gather them back together? Who had to say, go meet me in Galilee? Who went and got Peter? Who went and grabbed the team? The shepherd. 
Sheep are defenseless. Can anyone relate? I get lost easily. Everything in the world sticks to me, and I'm defenseless. I need a shepherd. That's what I was looking at. I'm like, yeah. And Peter says to the elders, pastor, shepherd the flock that's under your care. Do it. Go shave them. Do whatever you got to do. Care for them. Feed them, right? All those things. And it's important to know that elders are responsible for the sheep that are under their care. Isn't that interesting? Shep- Notice, Peter isn't like, hey, go shepherd the other sheep in the other guy's pasture. What does he say? Shepherd the sheep that are under your care, your flock, the one God has given you. So there should be an effort on the shepherd's part to know who their sheep are. But sometimes this is hard because sheep will bounce between pasture and pasture, and you can't tag them as they're running out the door before you get to them. And then the sheep wonder, why isn't anybody connecting with me? Well, whose pasture are you in? Are you my sheep or are you their sheep? And really, it's, it's on the elders to go find out what that is, right? But it's amazing. Sheep that don't want to be shepherded, they, they make an effort not to be shepherded. You don't give us your contact information. You avoid all that kind of stuff. And I already know it, okay? I'm not trying to push, but realize that you're going to get dirty. You're going to get eaten. You're going to get lost unless you have a spiritual shepherd over you and looking out for your soul. It's very important. That's the way Jesus set it up. And so there is a structure within the church. And and Peter addresses all the tendencies within that structure here, good and bad. And so as I encourage as an elder to, to reach out to you, I would encourage you to reach out to us and say, bah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a sheep. I, and by the way, I, I want to hang out in your pasture. But that's also you saying, I submit to your authority to shepherd me. Right? And that's where it gets tricky because I want the benefits, but I don't want the commitment, which is the society we're in. And guess what? Shepherds start to speak into people's life. We start to share how things are, are shepherded around here, and then people get upset. This is a democracy. No, it's not. It's a lordship. His lordship. And by the way, I have no authority over what you do in your life or how you do anything in your life. Zero. Neither the elders. But Jesus does. And to the degree that we are men subject to the word of God and that we communicate the word of God to you is the degree that you submit to what he says. Amen? That's, that's it. That's the... That's the heart of it. And so reach out, connect. So elders are to shepherd the flock under the care, watching over them. That's another word there, watching over them as overseer. It's interesting, Peter uses all three words for church leadership here. He uses elder, he uses pastor, and he says oversee them, which is the word for bishop. And depending on what tradition you're in, you emphasize elder, pastor, or bishop. And guess what they, they all mean? The same thing. The same thing. The elders are to pastor and oversee the church. A pastor is to elder and bishop the church. A bishop is to elder and pastor the church. It's the same, it's the same thing described. Some of them are verbs, you know, obviously. And so there should be an effort on the shepherd's part to oversee the church. He says, oversee them. In other words, feed them, pray for them, protect them. And by the way, again, it's important to know that that overseeing is, it's not our opinion, it's what he says. Our authority comes from the word of God by what the chief shepherd says. And so be praying for your elders in that. And then Peter speaks about the motivation of an elder. Why be an elder and and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. What is it to be the attitude and motivation of an elder when they undertake such a task? And look at the the middle of verse 2. It says, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are what? Because you are willing. Not because you must, because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And so, 
if you break down these two verses and you throw all the things that Peter's talking to as he's comparing and contrasting things, you get two groups of shepherds. You have one group of shepherds that, that, that have an attitude and a direction of, of one way, and you've got another group of shepherds with an attitude and a heart going in another way. The first group is defined as unwilling, pursuing dishonest gain, and lording it over the sheep. It says, don't do that. And the second group is willing, eager to serve, and examples to the flock, right? Two groups, and you see that. So it's important, first of all, that an elder be willing how many of you willing want to go shear sheep? Lay down your life. Go get into other people's messes and all that stuff and bring the Word of God into their hearts and all that stuff. It's a difficult task. And here's the thing is an elder is someone who God puts that in their heart that they are willing and wanting to do that. That is what they want to do. In other words, the love of Christ, the grace of Christ in their life has compelled them to want to go do that. Those are crazy people. They want to. And here it is in 1 Timothy 3, one. Just before Paul gives the qualifications of an elder, like a, a chapter before, he says, here's, well, it's, no, it's right before, the verse before. He says, here's a trustworthy saying in chapter 3, verse 1. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Notice he uses that word overseer. He's just about to talk to an elder, one who is ruling over the church. Obviously, ruling has to be qualified, which we talk about. But Paul uses two words to describe a potential elder's view of being an elder. He says, first, it's an aspiration, and secondly, it's a desire. They aspire to it, and they desire it. They aspire and desire, those two things. And so the words basically describe someone who's stretching themselves out to reach towards something that they desire and want. It's a stretching out. And so someone who is an elder should not be unwilling, but rather willing as God wants them to be. In other words, an elder is to be someone who is all in. Not that you're going, oh man, this is going to be difficult. That's obviously there, but you want to please the Lord in this way. You want to serve the Lord in this way. In other words, you want to love. This is the manifestation of love that God's given you for His church. That's what God desires an elder to be. And so, willingness to be an elder is important. But guess what? That willingness, that aspiration that you see in people who aspire to leadership can often be cloaked in, in other things. It often can be cloaked in, 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 in a desire, desires that are evil, plainly. How many of you know that power can corrupt? Or you want to get to a position so that you can Anybody got that thing going on in their heart? Well, Peter says here, man, you, it's good to be willing as the Lord wants you to be, but be careful that your desire isn't for pursuing dishonest gain, as Peter calls it, or filthy lucre. How many of you guys got that translation? I just think that's cool. Filthy lucre. And this is speaking of, and what it, that means is it's speaking of shameful ways in which shepherds can dishonestly acquire wealth from their sheep. They're using their sheep as a means of ma making money. And it's not just making money, it's, it's the way in which they make money. And Peter speaks about this. Isaiah, in Isaiah 56, 11, he spoke of the watchmen of Israel, the shepherds of Israel, and he says this, he says, They are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding, they all turn to their own way and they seek after their own gain. Realizing that when Peter, when I was talking to you about when Paul was crying to, uh, was crying to the Ephesian elders, he was crying about these men coming into the church. He said, I warned you night and day, people are going to come inside and they're going to tear you apart. You're not going to be able to discern if you're not discerning. You're not going to be able to know who they are if you're not watching and praying. They're going to tear you from the inside out. The way that the enemy works is from the inside out and the outside in. It's not like we need to be paranoid of each other. We need to be in the Spirit, right? That's very important. He says they're dogs. And you can read about all these types of guys in Ezekiel. You can read about in Jeremiah, Jude, Second Peter, the ministry is not to be a means for a new ministry Learjet. 
in a $10.5 million home. Amen, anybody? Something about that says that's off. Anybody have that in your heart? Yeah, that's off. But God has blessed the ministry, brothers. Yeah, through you who have been de-blessed. And it's, it's a me, and Second Peter talks about that in chapter 2 very deeply. I don't want to get into it, but so an elder is not to pursue that position for dishonest gain. That does not mean they don't gain because God does bless those who give. And that's a very important distinction to make because on the other hand, the Scriptures, they do clearly teach that those who labor in the Word are to be paid well enough where they and possibly their families can focus on what they're called to do. That's important. Do not muzzle the ox, 1 Timothy 5.17. That's very important. Let the, let the ox eat what they're, what they're harvesting, what they're doing. And so that's a principle. In other words, let the pastor, if he's, if he's sowing in this field, he's taking care of that, let his income come from the sheep. If an elder is called, and, and really that's where we get into pastor-elder conversation, the elder who is in charge of the main teaching of the Word of God, the one who plans the field, that would be me right now. If they are plowing in the field, then they should be paid accordingly. Now, I have trouble when a pastor says, you need to pay me. That's, 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 the, that's the thing, is when you have that heart, like, come on, I need twice as much and five figures, but, and, and by the way, people who ask for that stuff, they're immediately disqualified. But on the other hand, I think a good elder board is going to take care of the pastor so they can. And by the way, that's what this elder board has done with me. And I came up here, I think it was, you guys asked for, you guys just say, hey, come up half time. And we were like, yep, let's go do it. Moving all the way across the country half time because the call of God was on your heart. I'm not trying to make myself the main thing. I'm talking about the elders. Is that and then all of a sudden you you know we get on the ground and it's three quarters time real quick, and then it becomes full time within a month or two. I mean, go, there was just an oversight over my life by the elders a desire to to free me up to do what God called me to do. Now it's hard for a shepherd to pastor a church if you're not shepherding the sheep and you're out trying to just make ends meet, you're working four jobs. And some people have grown up to think that that's spiritual. That's not, because they're not shepherding you. They're shepherding Walmart or wherever it is they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So there's a whole discussion there, but the pastor who is usually tasked by the elders with laboring in the Word you know, they, they should be taken care of. Does that mean that they're, they're making, you know, 500 times as much as everybody and they're rolling around in, you know, jets? And no, no, if that's happening, obviously something is out of balance. And there becomes the discussion of, like, where do you live and all that kind of stuff. I mean, someone who's living in Georgia is going to be paid differently than someone who's living in San Francisco. That's just the way it is because where you live. And so there's those things as well. But an elder shouldn't be motivated by getting but by what they can give. That's the principle. What can they give? Amen? And Paul says in verse 3, an elder should be eager to serve as a shepherd. That's another thing. It's a privilege to serve Christ and His people. The eagerness comes, by the way, from the grace of God. And that's important. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. This is Paul speaking a couple chapters before giving the qualifications of an elder. He says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy and pointed me into his service. That's the ministry. Some of yours is translated ministry there. Verse 13, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, this is who I was. He says, I was shown what? Mercy, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And then here's the key to any minister's heart. This is the motivation for ministry. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That's the motivation of an elder. I'm doing it willingly because he gave everything for me. How can I not? And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean everybody's called to eldership, but that's the call of an elder. And so elders are to shepherd through eager service. And by the way, not verse, not verse 3, not lording it over those entrusted to you by being examples to the flock. 
Jesus in Matthew 20, 25 through 28, he said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that's non-Jews at that point, uh, Lord, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what the Romans did. They crushed their opposition. That's how they worked. Not so with you. That's very important to know. Don't, don't be a Roman. Verse 26, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first must be what? Your slave. And now here's the example. Verse 28, Jesus gives of himself. What does he say? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's the example that a shepherd is not one who lords his authority, but who models, models Christ. And so our example is Jesus who has authority and power. What do you know about Jesus? He was Lord, absolutely Lord, amen? Did he exercise his lordship? His full, like, wrath of God, authority over sinners and all that type of stuff, what did he do? Was he a little bit patient, kind? Did he model things? Did he take on the form of a servant? Did he wash feet, long-suffering, all those things? Yes, he lived as an example for his disciples to follow. And this is what Peter says here, an elder isn't to exercise their authority as their first mode of apparandi. And I want to be clear, this does not mean that there isn't authority within the church. This is so important. We already established that there is, but how that's exercised is important. You don't lord it over. However, if you read through the New Testament, what happens with Peter and Paul and the gang? How do they speak to those who are in false teaching or who are totally off? They have to appeal that they're apostles of Jesus Christ, and they lay out doctrine accordingly. They do. But that's like as a last resort. And so... There's the whole idea of just submit to, your, submit to your elders. And that goes on a little bit later. And that's just, just trust them and entrust them to them and don't make their life difficult is the teaching in Hebrews. But also make sure they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not heavy-handed with you. How many of you have that situation as well? And by the way, it's a struggle as a pastor in the flesh to not be heavy-handed or to be too light-handed. That's the war that goes on with a heart. You're trying to constantly gauge what should happen. You know what he says, but how is it supposed to happen in someone's heart? You know what I mean? And, and sometimes you come across a little heavy, and you've got to back up, but then you don't want to back away from the principle that God has, and so you're sitting there going back and forth. Anybody ever struggle with that? Just elders, all right. So there's a war, but there's no excuse. This is what Jesus says. So, our example is Jesus, and Peter, and Paul, yes, they use their authority, but it, it is not their first mode of operation. They appeal as brothers in Christ first, and Peter says in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive what? A crown of glory that will never fade away. I love how Peter reminds the shepherds who they serve. That's very important. Um, one thing about the shepherds of Israel is they thought they owned it. And when the prophets came, they killed them because they thought the vineyard was theirs. It's not. It's the Lord's. You are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. We don't own you. You're His. You're precious. You're blood-bought. We have a chief shepherd. Amen? Amen? Jesus, and the elders are just under-shepherds. And I don't want to minimize their role, and I don't want to maximize it. They're under-shepherds. And I love how ultimately the sheep are His, and the elders are ultimately under the shepherd with delegated authority that they're going to have to give an account for. I like Acts 20, 28. Again, this is Paul speaking to those Ephesian elders as he's not going to see him again. He says, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So the chief shepherd makes elders shepherds of the church. He bought with his own blood. Elders need to always be remind, uh, reminded of this. They need to be mindful of this. And if elders are faithful, when the chief shepherd appears, they will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. 
or better translated, here it is, the unfading crown that is glory. I love that. And then as Peter is done with the elders, he starts speaking to the rest of the church. And he says, in the same way, you, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Do you see how he goes from what the elder's responsibility to is to those that he's over? And everybody's going, yeah, elders, get your act together. Amen? How many of you guys are going, hey, you guys got some room to work? Pray for us, please. <laughs> Encourage us, all those things. Yes, we need it, absolutely. Ton of room, a lot of responsibility. But then he continues on with the rest of the church in the same way, with the same heart, by the way, the same thing. What does he say? You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. And Peter's already spoken about submission to earthly authority, and now he speaks to the church. He says, submit yourself to the elders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in this, or obey is the word. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be what? A joy, not a what? A burden, for that would be of no benefit to who? To you. How many of you have just that one kid some people are laughing. Or two kids. You know what I'm just saying? How many of you were that kid? Where you just made your parents' life unnecessarily difficult. And what happened? It was no benefit to you. Because their hearts were broken and struggling and constantly moving off the things that they should be doing. You know, I'm just saying it just makes it difficult. And so he's just simply saying here, submit. And this has been the theme that he's been talking about all along. Just entrusting your heart and your life to Jesus. Entrusting your, your heart and your life to, in whatever circumstance and authority you find yourself under, just entrust your heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do it out of reverence and fear for Him. Now, obviously, if it's an area of false doctrine, man, you've got to address that, right? But otherwise, just Relax. Just submit. It's pretty simple. Listen to those who are feeding you the word. Listen to what they're teaching you or how they are encouraging you or exhorting you. And just as you see the word of God laid before you, submit to the words of Lord Jesus through these faithful men. Why? Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. It is hard enough Church, I just want to share this with you from, from a shepherd's perspective. It, it is hard enough to be in the Spirit, to teach the Word, to remain humble, to not be a hypocrite, and to watch over y'all as it is, right? I mean, mostly dealing with the own internal stuff as an elder. And it's like, okay, well, toughen up. Okay. Yes. But don't make it more difficult than it is on your elders. Amen? And that's the encouragement there. And I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying this is, this is it, okay? <laughs> Don't make it more difficult by being ornery and rebellious. That's the negative reason. But the positive reason is there's a great joy in being a pastor. There's an absolute joy in being an elder. When we are, as an elder, are watching you love one another, when we hear of people coming to Christ, when we hear of small groups getting together and deciding to go bless people who are just coming up, you know, coming up here with nothing from, from California, Californians of all people, you help them out. That's amazing, that in itself. That you preach the gospel, they come to Christ, and you get together and you give them stuff and tears flow out of their eyes, and they're like, why would you love us like this? And then that person's wife comes to the Lord as they see Christ manifested. That's what's happening in our church. As other people are coming to the Lord, as we hear people sharing Christ, I'm just saying, that's the joy. That's like, yes, praise the Lord. I mean, more of that. That's the greatest joy of, of, of being an elder, just to watch people actually live it. And they're just letting Jesus love through them. And there's forgiveness, and people who have broken relationships are going, oh, forgive me, and it, and it comes together. And 
people loving one another, the gospel is being shared, people are getting along, people are committed to Christ. I mean, that makes the work of the ministry a joy. Continue in that, brothers and sisters. Amen. Look for those opportunities. And here's the principle for us all, the second half of verse 5, back in 1 Peter. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the what? God opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the what? Humble. Clothe literally means to tie something to someone's self. And in the old day, you know, like a belt, like a, a, a robe, you had to tie it to yourself. Clothe yourself in humility. Put it on. How many of you wake up and go, ah, oh, I'm humble today? No, it's like something you've got to put on. I'm going to be humble today. Lord, be humble through me today. Spirit, take over. And this means that whatever position the Lord has placed us in, under or over, whether you be children to parents or wives to husbands, I'm speaking about the things, us to earthly authorities that are here, be humble. Humble ourselves. Citizens to government goes on and on as Peter's been teaching through this. It is who we are in Christ. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, James would say. And if that's true, then verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may what? He may lift you up and win. Due time. Promotion comes from the Lord. Humble yourselves. There's nothing wrong with aspiration. But aspiration and humility is really good. Have a lowliness of mind. That is what he's saying here. Humble yourselves. That's lowliness of mind. That is what humble yourself means. It describes a lowly servant. Take on the form of a servant. Who does that remind you of? Our Jesus, who was all that. And yet, he came down, and where was he born? In a what? In a manger. His parents were poor. He didn't have a home for all his ministry. He just was poor. He was just poor in spirit. He could have had all that, right? He's like, mansion, 10.5, and a Learjet. Boom, they haven't even been yet, but I got one. You know what I mean? He could have done all that. But how did he model for us? Whatever position we have, be humble. God opposes the proud. Have a lowliness of mind. And in this context, it's trust and serve the Lord by submitting yourselves to your elders and by serving one another. And we know that one day He will lift us up in due time, just as Christ was humble and was exalted, so we, too, as our humility is now, our exaltation will come. And then verse 7, which really begins to tie the whole book of the theme, and we'll get into that next week. And he talks about the suffering that happens because the whole context of this is suffering. He says in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Difficult times reveal anxieties in our hearts and this is why Peter draws our attention to Psalm 55, 22, which says in full, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And in this psalm, David is lamenting because he was betrayed by a close friend. Perhaps, maybe a son. The idea is that even in the most difficult of times, David entrusted himself into the Lord's care. When he had a chance even to take Saul's life twice, he didn't do it. But rather, he submitted to the Lord. And he appealed to Saul. He let him know, hey, Saul, you're going off the, off the walls here, but I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not equating that with eldership, but just in our circumstances, you know what I'm saying? We find ourselves in difficult circumstances. It's like, okay, I could go take care of this business. God bless this. <laughs> or it's, Lord, this is difficult. Yeah, you let them know, but ultimately you just trust in the Lord. That's our heart as, as believers, Amen. And so we're to throw our anxiety. How many of you struggle with anxiety? Just a couple, not just the elders. He says you are to cast your anxiety at the feet of Jesus. That word for cast is the word for throw. Cast it, 
chuck it. Take it and hurl it at the feet of Jesus. Get it on Jesus. What are you worried about today? In prayer, go before the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you. And what happens when you got more of it? Continue to give it to Him. Say, Lord, I trust you with this. I just trust you with this. I trust you with this. I trust you with this. And you just keep giving it to Him. Empty your heart out before the Lord. Say, I trust you in this circumstance. I trust you what's going on with my life. Give me wisdom. I don't have it. I don't know what to do. It seems like the walls are closing in, but I give it to you. 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 Just keep casting it. It's something you have to do. Like clothe yourself, cast, and just give it to the Lord Jesus. Why? Because He cares for you. Absolutely cares for you today, right now, in the midst of whatever you've got going on. And so the ultimate submission is to the Lord Jesus Christ and His care, knowing that one day He will do what with us? Lift us up. Lord, I want to thank You again for this passage. I want to thank You for Your servant Peter, Lord, and his willingness to lay down his life that we would be able to read this and we'd be encouraged. And Father, I pray for the elders of this church, that you would continue to mold us and shape us into servant leaders, Father. Forgive us of our pride and help us to walk in humility. And I pray that there would be a spirit of unity as never before within our fellowship, that we would be manifesting the word of God in our hearts not just the pages, Lord, but the person. That you, Lord Jesus, would be seen in and through us. And Lord, we trust you now in this. And I pray, Lord, just as Marcus shared yesterday, that if there's any um, lack of submission, lack of pride in our hearts, overlording it over, all that kind of stuff, whatever it might be, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, that your spirit would convict us, that you would shear us, and that we would be put right back into the pasture and enjoy that safe pasture, the green pasture, the still waters under your care. So we ask these things, great shepherd. Amen.